All right, what is happening? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. It's uh, been a long day. We're recording this at uh, about 10 o'clock Mountain Time, so we're going to get something played like a replay for Tuesday's show. Tuesdays we do math, so we'll do a replay for today, and uh, it's been a long day on the books, long day handicapping, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So we'll talk to you then on Sports Betting Daily. Enjoy the replay. All right, so regression towards the mean. This is a really interesting idea that, like I said, a lot of people have an idea of what this means, right? A lot of people sort of get it. A lot of people use this phrase and understand that it means eventually you're going to get back to what's expected, right? Now, the definition from good old-fashioned Wikipedia is, and I thought this was perfectly acceptable, in statistics, regression towards the mean is the phenomenon where if one sample of a random variable is extreme, the next sampling of the same random variable is likely to be closer to the mean. Um, a way to kind of think about this outside of sports betting, a good example I like, and I actually got this example from a, a really good YouTube channel called Ver- Veritasium. And sometimes on these Tuesdays, I like to reference people to these YouTubes or different channels that, that align with what we're talking about. So if you'd like to study this, look at it more, you can do that. So if you just type in regression towards the mean Veritasium on YouTube, a lot of this, uh, uh, these ideas will, will come up there. But they use an example where they have a classroom of students and they give students questions, random true, false questions that they know nothing about, right? So none of the students have any idea of any of the questions. So they're randomly answering all these true, false answers. Based on normal distribution, the average score will be a 50, right? But you're going to get some based on happen chance, just based on statistics and data. You're going to get some students who score like a 60, 65, and some students who score a 35 or 40, right? Well, if you take, let's say, the group of students who scored very, very well on this random test, right? The students who scored 55s and 60s and 65s, and you gave them the exact same test again, the average of those tests would be 50 again. So regression towards the mean is exactly what that definition says. In statistics, regression towards the mean is the phenomenon where if one sample of a random variable is extreme, the next sampling of the same random variable is likely to be closer to the mean, okay? So let's use an example in sports. Let's use golf. Golf is something that we can all bet on, that a lot of us do. Um, Let's talk about golf. So when you look at statistics, the outcome of events are influenced by two things, our skill as well as some luck. Okay, there, there, there's a combination in all of those, which is why things like golf scores can change so drastically, even on a day-to-day basis. You know, go look at some of the best, most consistent golfers in the world any given tournament. Tournaments go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, I know weather changes, wind changes, certain things happen, right, that will influence a score, and that's part of all of this. But even so, even where you get days where wind change, wind hasn't changed much, weather hasn't changed much, you can get a, a golfer that's consistent, professional, that shoots a, a, a 70 one day and a 65 the next day, or a 64 one day and a 72 the next day, right? Which in golf, that may not seem like a big difference for us, but for a pro, those are big extreme results. And for that same pro, because of regression towards the mean, if they have a particularly... Uh, lucky day one day, well, chances are they're going to regress to the mean the next day. If they have an especially unlucky day one day, chances are they won't have that same bad luck the next day, right? That's regression towards the mean. So 
let, let's kind of play this out. Let's use uh, uh, an average golfer as an example, because I would assume many of you out there aren't professional golfers, aren't even amazing at golf. Most people listening are average. So let's use us as an example, right? Let's say we've got an individual who's an 18 handicap. Okay. Now, little disclaimer here for this example, we have to assume this 18 handicap is 100% legit. Okay. So uh, the answer is not. You know, if he goes and has a bad day, like he shoots a 95, 96, the answer's not, well, maybe his handicap's wrong. Maybe he needs to raise his handicap. The handicap's right, okay? Don't get lost in that. In this example, this handicap of 18 is 100% legitimate, okay? So let's say we've got a golfer that has an 18 handicap, and the course he's playing or she's playing or whoever's playing is a 72 for par, okay? It's, it's very common. So based on that 72 for par, if your handicap's an 18, that means on average, you'll shoot about 90. Now, I know for my hardcore golfers out there, handicaps are a little bit more nuanced than that. We're not going to go into the details of, of a handicap. So let's just go with this, okay? Just stick with me. 72 for par, our handicap's an 18, so we're expected to shoot about a 90 on average, okay? And again, we're assuming that 18 is legitimate. That is 100% non-negotiable. So in this example, let's say you're playing in a tournament, okay? And on Thursday, you shoot a 95, and then on Friday, you shoot a 96. The question is, do the chances, does the probability that you'll shoot closer to a 90 or even below a 90 increase the following day? So on Thursday, you shot a 95. Friday, you shot a 96. You go out there on Saturday. Is the probability of you shooting a 90 or closer to a 90 higher than the previous two days or, previous, or higher than average? The answer is actually yes. Okay, your probability actually goes up of shooting better because we can assume the 95 and 96 were just part of any other, were just part of the data set, like any other data points in any other set of data. Okay, you're going to get some factors above expected amounts and you're going to get some factors below expected amounts. Bad luck probably played a part in some of those rounds, whether it was weather, concentration, whatever. But because we know the average score, he or she or whoever shoots will be a 90. Regression towards the mean is mathematically absolutely expected to happen there, right? The probability actually increases because of, of what's happened in the past. So with regression to the mean, things aren't quote unquote evening out, but instead less common events become rarer and rarer and more diluted compared to the average or the expected events, which happen far more often. So these things with regression to the mean, they just sort of stand out. They're going to happen, but they're not going to happen nearly as often as what we expect to happen. So let's take this slightly on a different path. Let's talk about three-point shooting in another example. Let's say Steph Curry goes out one night and has a very, very, very bad night shooting. Or regression towards the mean says the next night he's going to probability... Probab probabilistically, right? Is that, am I getting towards something there? Um, probability says the next night he should have a better shooting night, right? That's regression towards the mean. That's what we talked about. But there are some, we're going to take a bit of a different path here. There are some mathematicians that think there's really no such thing as a hot or cold streak like in basketball. If you interview a, a basketball player, they will say that, you know, they're, they go through times during the season or during games, they have the hot hand. And they also say they go through times during the season or during games, they have the cold hand. And it's funny. This is like a debate that still rages on. There's people who argue about this still today because I don't believe there's a right answer because we don't have a way of getting a right answer. And the debate is, is that a real thing? 
are there such thing as like hot streaks, cold streaks in terms of having a hot hand or cold hand, or is this normal math playing its way out? Here's the thing with this. This is a very, very nuanced idea. You're going to have to stick with me. And I'm sure a lot of you right now already have your minds made up for this debate, right? But just stick with me for a second, okay? When you look at the end of season spreadsheet for any three-point shooter in the NBA, let's keep using Steph Curry as an example. I think that's obviously a good example. So let's say you get Steph Curry's end of season spreadsheet for three-point shooting. Well, it's going to look identical to really any other set of data where we can expect normal distribution. It's going to follow, this, follow the same patterns, rules, and laws. And this is not just for Steph Curry. This goes for every shooter in the NBA and collectively every shooter. Let's say we get every single shooter in the NBA, three-point shooter, and put all their stats together. You're going to get a normal distribution or at least something that, that looks close to a normal distribution. And if you're wondering what that is, just type in normal distribution uh, and, and Google, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And it's going to follow something very close to that. And again, when you look at anything, whether it's it's NBA stats or weather statistics, if you get a spreadsheet and it follows the same patterns, rules, and laws that any other spreadsheet does, there's no difference between the two, right? So mathematically, to me, in putting, in putting this data, there's no difference. I get the same outputs. It's, it's the same prediction process. So to me, the mathematician... Why should I try and fabricate some kind of a difference just because a player says the difference exists, okay? And the difference is this, that humans go through unexplainable hot and cold streaks where their individual abilities vary on a micro and macro basis. Basketball players would call this having a hot hand, okay? So this is the debate. There is no right answer, like I said earlier, because there's no way of getting a right answer, but the debate is, is there such thing as having a hot hand or is this just normal math? Now, here's my answer. Here's my opinion. And it may not really line up with a lot of you because I am math driven. But here's my opinion. Having an understanding of how human beings work, I think is integral to handicapping. Okay. If you're handicapping just mathematically, I think it's, 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 you're not going to do that well. I believe handicapping is an art. It's not a science. So in that art, you have to have an understanding of sociology, psychology, how humans work, right? Otherwise, how are you supposed to handicap things like scheduling conflicts during the season? You know, what if someone pulled the fire alarm in their hotel room? What about divorces and breakups? What about deaths in the family or being benched or being traded? If you don't have a fundamental idea of how humans handle these things psychologically, how can you bet on them performing in any given game? So that's one thing that I've been really working on and I think getting better at the last couple of years is psychology in these things, okay? So one thing that I've really learned that's been hammered into me is that human beings have certain flaws. We have biases, we do certain things, that's understood. But one of the main things that human beings do, one flaw that we have, at least in, in sports handicapping, is human beings want to create stories, often where stories don't exist, right? This is where we get, can get tricked with trends, things like that. And I get it. It's literally who we are as human beings. A species of human beings have, have, have essentially, we, we may be extinct if we didn't rely on our storytelling abilities as a species. So it is literally who we are, okay? It is who we are. So I don't expect us to, to break that. We just have to understand that and work around it. So Again, I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. If we understand how humans work, okay, and we understand that humans have to come up with a story for why things work, 
it almost seems inevitable that players are going to say hot streaks and cold streaks exist because they have to find some reason why they went 7 for 7 that night from, from 3 or 0 for 7 that night from 3. Even though a mathematician would say, no, that's expected. You're going to have plenty of nights where you go for 7, plenty of nights where you go 7 for 7. That's just math. Okay, so do I think that NBA players who are human beings believe that they're having days with a hot hand? Of course I do. I would actually expect them to because they're human beings. I've talked about this on the pod before. I had a biology teacher in college, Dr. Corkin. Shout out Dr. Corkin. And uh, he used to go, biologists are, or he used to go, uh, uh, human beings are lazy and biologists are human beings. Therefore, biologists are lazy. Right? <laughs> he was hysterical. But he's true, right? If you're a human, it's stupid to think that you can just shed those things even if you're working in math or science, something that bias doesn't help us in. Anyway, do I think NBA players believe this? Of course I do. I would expect them to. But do I believe it? Actually, I tend to go with the mathematical approach. And I know that mathematically, if I have a 40% shooter, three-point shooter, some nights he's going to go two for eight from three. Some nights he's going to go four for 10 from three. And some nights he's going to go seven for eight from three. Just like if we're flipping quarters, we're going to hit some seven in a row of heads and sometimes we're going to go one and eight for, for tails or whatever it may be. That doesn't mean there's a hot hand or there's any reason why it's happening. And I'm not actually, this is a debate. I'm not trying to settle this. I'm just giving sort of my opinion, what I'd think it would be. I, this isn't a strong opinion, you know, because I'm not, uh, I'm not an elite level athlete. I don't know what it's like to hit those three pointers. Maybe there is something that, you know, I'm not so sure, but I can see where they get that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure if you feel awe, I was a pitcher, right? I pitched in high school and, and, and a little bit in college. It's like, I get that you feel like that sometimes. And as a pitcher, I say, yeah, some days you have it, some days you don't. But the more I learn math, it's like, was that really happening? Or was it just a way for me to try to explain what was happening that would have inevitably happened anyway? So does the hot hand exist or is it all simply regression towards the mean? So uh, to wrap things up, you know, regression towards the mean is, is look, outcomes of events are influenced by skill as well as luck. So we're naturally going to get some things that are just wild results out there. But overall, you're going to get what's expected much more often. Now, regression to the mean has a lot of overlap with gambler's fallacy, but they're not the same thing. So let's talk about the differences and similarities. Regression towards the mean is this. You can expect probabilities to change given previous events. If you have an 18 handicap and you shoot over for two days in a row, there's actually a higher probability you'll shoot closer to 90 or even under 90 for the third day. Gambler's fallacy says that probabilities, uh, well, gambler's fallacy says probabilities will change even though they don't change, right? So that's the difference. It's regression of the mean. Probabilities are changing in front of us. Gambler's fallacy, probabilities never change in front of us regardless of how we view it. So gambler's fallacy says Probabilities actually never change regardless of previous results. In roulette, you know, the, the gambler's fallacy incorrectly assumes that if red has come up 10 times in a row, the probability of black coming up will actually increase in the next spin. In reality, that's not the case. In reality, it's still 50-50 or whatever it is with the green zeros, right? The idea of gambler's fallacy is the probabilities will change so that overall things tend to even out. Right? That's why someone will say, hey, it's, it's come up 10 reds in a row. Let's bet black. What that's another way of saying is the probability of black is higher because it's in 10 reds in a row. And the gambler's fallacy says that there's a higher chance of black hitting 
because over the long run, it has to even out to 50-50. So therefore, on a smaller basis, on a macro or on a micro level, the chances are going to increase. That's a gambler's fallacy, something that's obviously not true. With regression towards the mean, things aren't necessarily, quote, evening out, but instead, less common events become rarer and rarer and more diluted compared to the average or expected events, which happen far more often. So again, does the hot hand exist or is it all simply down to regression towards the mean? You decide. You know, that, that is a debate right now. And that is something that that is, uh, I think, rightly debated. So anyway, hope everyone enjoyed today's show. Good luck. Whatever you have going on today or tonight, hope you catch some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.